just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. This year marks the 30th anniversary of the greatest baseball movie ever made in Glendale. And the boys are back in town this weekend for a special screening on Saturday. I'm talking about The Sandlot, a movie I watched for the very first time last week. So I don't know, Salt Lake. Does it hold up? And who are the real villains and heroes of this story? It's Thursday, August 3rd. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Newsletter editor Terina Ria, lead producer Emily Means, you are both Sandlot lifers. Emily, for the uninitiated, give us the skinny on this movie. Oh my god. Quickly Allie. means. Okay, okay, okay. Listen, <laughs> I'm going to talk to you like a Sandlot character this whole interview. <laughs> Quickly <laughs> means. Which one? <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> All right, this movie came out in 1993 and it was shot in Utah. That's why we're talking about it. Here's the skinny. It is a story about Scotty Smalls, the new kid in town, and the summer that changed his life forever. Takes place in the early 60s. Scotty Smalls is a total square, a nerd who plays with robots. He always gets straight A's, although one time he got an A minus. Listen, I can relate to this guy a lot. But it should have been a B. <laughs> but it should have been a B. And then Scotty steps out and he finds some friends in a group of boys who teach him to play baseball. They play baseball every single day. Shenanigans ensue. And this results in a quest to retrieve a baseball signed by Babe Ruth. And that's the Sandlot for you. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, not bad. Good huh? job, Em. Thank yeah. you. What makes it. A Utah movie, Therina. You're the neighborhood guide queen. <laughs> Tell yes. us. Oh, my. I had so much fun rewatching this, you guys. Like, I think Ooh. watching it with new eyes, because I don't think as a kid I knew that it was filmed in Utah. And mm. so watching it again, I was like looking out for, for things that I recognized. And the first scene of The Sandlot is when they're playing baseball and then you have the mountains in the background, yes. our mountains yes. in the background. And it just was like so nostalgic of every single childhood summer in Utah, just playing outside for hours and hours and, you know, riding bikes around the neighborhood with your friends. And me and my brother, we lived next to Juan Diego in Draper and we would ride our scooters down the giant hill. So we would go really fast. Um, so it just, it just transported me back to, you know, childhood times, simpler times, you know. That is so yeah. beautiful. I didn't realize it was shot in Utah either in my youth. And so rewatching it, I was like, oh, my God, that is so obviously Utah, especially when we had like wide pan of the horizon and you can see like the the Kennecott stack. In yeah, the, the Parley's Canyon shot where it's yes. like you're coming off of 80. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's so beautiful. And um a couple of other notable locations I thought I would mention. The Sandlot 
is in either Glendale or Poplar Grove. I'm not sure. Don't yell at me. I am not entirely sure about the neighborhood boundaries on this one. Uh, There is a Founders Day event at Liberty Park. And then they Mm. play the opposing team, the Rich Kids team, at Riverside Park in Rose Park. So it's like very Salt Lakey. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just a blast of nostalgia for me, too. Yeah. Well, it's funny because like they're supposed to be in Los Angeles County. The valley they're referring to is supposed to be the San Fernando Valley, which is why they're Dodgers fans. And one of the things that I noticed was that opening shot again with like the mountains in the background. Mm -hmm. The mountains are looking very green. And I was like, they're trying to convince us this is dead summer, like July, August in Salt Lake City. And I'm like, this is spring because those mountains turn brown (laughs) come July 1st. There's just no way. Plus, okay, those mountains are way too tall to be California mountains, right? Yeah, what are they thinking? Yeah, for sure. Come on. You know, I mean, if we want to have a conversation about the believability of this movie, I think that's going to be a separate show. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing that I was thinking about and like why this is a Utah movie is it's very wholesome. You know, it's like a good, it's good, clean family fun. And I actually asked my mom to take a walk down memory lane with me. And I was like, how did, how did you even find this movie? And she was like, oh, I don't know. I just like saw it on the shelf at Blockbuster and it looked like, looked like it'd be a good fit. And uh, yeah, it is for the family. And I think that's what makes it a Utah movie too. Okay, well, do you want to know something funny? So I did a little bit of digging around on this. This movie came out in 1993. Guess what year the Salt Lake Bees were established? 1993. 1994! <gasps> oh, oh, no. I know, right? Chicken and egg situation. I know. I mean, before that, they were the trappers. So, like, the history of baseball in Salt Lake is 100 years old. But I do think that's kind of a fun fact, though. That's cute. Oh my God. Right? I love that. I know. Does this movie have any, like, meaning to either of you? I wanted to ask you this, but now that you've said that as children, you didn't even know it was in Utah, it, was it just, like, kind of always another movie? Yes, and we always had it on at our house. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that Benny, the Jet Rodriguez, who is the baseball star in this movie, was one of my very first crushes. (laughs) Okay, yes. I think he was all of our crushes, right? I might have a crush on him right now. I'm processing (laughs) that, having just watched it for the first time and finished watching it about six minutes ago. I was like, if I had watched this movie as like, I don't know, like a nine to 11 year old, I would have been like, Benny Rodriguez, which can we talk about the fact that his name is Benjamin Franklin Rodriguez? (laughs) (laughs) Don't think about it too deeply. Late, great (laughs) Benjamin. It's a truly incredible choice. Yeah, I loved him. It's funny. Yeah, I didn't grow up like a sporty kid. So I I, like was thinking about why it like resonated with me growing Mm. up. I think that I I did grow up as the new kid because my family moved around the Salt Lake Valley a lot. So I was always like the awkward new kid trying to fit in, make friends like, hey, guys, you want to play with me? (laughs) And so I think that maybe that is what what struck a chord. And I think movies about childhood friendships too always get me right there in the heart. Yeah. And Scotty Smalls is so awkward at the beginning. Okay. And it just tugs on my heartstrings. And he's like, I don't even know how to throw a baseball. Why would these kids want to hang out with me? Playing robots in his room alone. And his mom is like, get outside. Like, get into trouble. Get out of my house. Can we talk about her parenting? (laughs) 
Because when she's like, I don't want you to spend another summer in this room, like building <laughs> machines or whatever. Like, you he's nerd. just like a good kid. And she's yeah. basically like, listen, you nerd. I'm sick if of you. If you don't get out there and make some friends, quit embarrassing me. I'm like, okay, mom, cool it. Yeah. Well, think about it. His mom is uh, Miriam from Indiana Jones. So she was like <gasps> yeah. one of the first Indiana Jones heroines. Right, so she's true. an adventure gal. At heart. Mm -hmm. Now she's trapped in that house with grumpy Bill. Hey, can we talk about the stepdad? He's not a good stepdad. How do you have a whole room, a whole baseball room, and your stepkid doesn't know a thing about baseball? You have a signed Babe Ruth baseball, and he doesn't know how to throw a ball. What kind of stepdad are you? Put in some effort, man. Okay, so obviously, like I told you, I just finished watching this movie for the first time. I don't know, as like a young, not sportsy girl who grew up in a house full of like only not sportsy girls, like this movie doesn't have like a ton of appeal mm -hmm. to me. And actually in the beginning, like probably 12 minutes in, I turned it off and went <laughs> to bed last night. Because no. I was like... This is not for me. Like, the acting yeah. isn't there. Like, I'm just not feeling it. And I think part of that is because in the beginning of the movie, like, Smalls is, he's such a bizarre character and that his sense of wonder is, like, not very believable. Like, the fact that he's, like, never heard of a s'more, it's like, okay, kid. Like, come on. You know? He's a sheltered child. Yeah. yeah. I think we should blame that on his stepdad again. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, Allie, on the mom. okay, listen, this is distressing to me. Okay, but, Emily, hold on. A sports movie will make you feel something no matter what. And by the end of this movie, I actually really liked it. And there were some parts where I was laughing out loud. One of the things that was th I was thinking about a lot watching it is like, why did we make so many baseball movies in the early 90s? Mm -hmm. Like, this is probably the only one that Kevin Costner wasn't in. But like, <laughs> yeah. Angels in the Outfield, League of Their Own, For Love of the Game. Like, we yeah. just had this moment of like 90s baseball nostalgia that was gangbusters did you like those other ones those other baseball movies yes i just like a sports movie like i don't know why it's kind of my achilles heel like even a sport like baseball that i could not care less about to be honest like i would rather watch farming it is so slow <laughs> I'll, I'll go to a bees game and like eat a hot dog just for the sake of having something to do but like this is not my sport which is why obviously benjamin franklin rodriguez and i could just never be together in real life yes you know? wouldn't last that's the biggest reason <laughs> and probably the reason why we won't get the MLB team. Your fault, I think. Totally. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court, and this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. 
We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. What were your favorite moments? Listen, the best part of this movie is the shit talking. I Mm. love smack talk. And so I really resonate with Ham, the catcher. And Mm -hmm. when he is, you know, when they're playing the rich kids and they've challenged them after a smack talk off. I don't know, man, that really resonates with me. He's behind the plate and he's like, all right, better. Uh, it's going to be a short game and I got to get home for lunch. That's one. And oh, my God, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> a coming of age film is always going to have good smack talk. Like yeah. this movie, you know what this movie reminded me a lot of is A Christmas Story. Me too, yeah. Allie. And it yeah. has the same feelings. I have mm-hmm. the same feelings about it. You know, like something that my family has watched over and over and over again. Incredibly quotable for me. Mm-hmm. As I was rewatching, I was like hitting all of the smack talk lines, and I was like, "Oh, so where many did they come up with here? this stuff." Yeah, L seven weenie. How many times L7 did you call somebody weenie? an L seven weenie? I just Plus learned the, like, that that meant you were a square. Yeah, I'm I, gonna, we I should bring know. that back. A square. Yeah, that's a rectangle. <laughs> that Don't square. overthink it. <laughs> did you know what were your favorite moments? slash like any cringy moments well so i love the pure chaos of it like the physical comedy and just like the utter silliness like there's a scene where they're trying to get the baseball out and then the treehouse is about to explode so they're all running out slow motion and they like dive out of the treehouse like over the ledge and it's just as the physical comedy is so funny to me and there's also like a scene where they're they're pulling they have a pulley system they drop the kid into the backyard and then he comes face to face with the beast and he's like ah and they pull him up and then he's like like when do you see people do that like why is he doing that this movie would work as a silent film with someone playing the organ in the background. Like it <laughs> Ridiculous. Would. It would. Yeah, it sure. absolutely would. I loved it. Allie, what was your favorite moment? Let's see. Roses and Thorns. I think my favorite moment is similar to you, Therina. It's like when they're moving together like a school of guppies constantly. Because I just kept being like, I'm willing to forgive some of the parts of this movie that I am not obsessed with or that don't hold up well, like saying you throw like a girl. The In a film that came out the year after A League of Their Own came out, absolutely unacceptable. But like, these kids are practicing community care. 
Oh, and like, <laughs> I do feel like, you know what I kept thinking to myself? I was like, I would roll with this crew of boys because like what I like about them is that they just like would never call the cops. Like they're so industrious, like they never ask for help. <laughs> do you know what? I have an unpopular opinion. OK, tell me. Um, I don't like squints. I think he's the unexpected villain of the movie. He's the one who like exaggerated the beast story. Actually, the beast is like such a cutie little cuddly big dog. Yeah. Um, he's the one like he I feel like he's extra mean to Smalls at the beginning. I just mm -hmm. don't trust him. Uh, he also like maybe assaulted Wendy. We should talk about that because thinking about how this movie has aged, for the most part, I think it holds up, but Listen, this kid squints pretending to drown so that he can force a smooch out of Wendy Peppercorn, the smoking hot lifeguard. Yeah. Nah, brah. That would not fly. And, and it then ends up marrying her. Yeah. yeah. And he ends up marrying her. Ugh. Like, in what world? That was the worst part for me. Because, like, when I realized he was going to pretend to drown to get her attention, I was actually kind of still on board with the scene. Like, I was like, okay, this is funny. But then when he grabbed her head and kissed her, I was like, you've lost me. And then when he goes back to the fence and they try and make it seem like she liked it. Yeah. And, like, mm. wink she doesn't wink at him, but she, like, lifts her glasses at him. I was like, this is not a love story that I'm interested in. No. And it's a yeah. pretty... I don't know. It's I will say, like, I've watched, like, a lot of old films recently, like, even just from the 2000s, and a mm. lot of them do not age well, like, at all. Mm -hmm. So I would say, mm -hmm. like, on the spectrum of, like, offensiveness, this is probably on the lighter side, but still there's, like, things. Like, of course, like, the you play like a girl, I hope that dies with our generation and never comes back. I mean, think about the incredible professional women athletes we've had on the show. Lacey Mile from Utah Falcons. Shout out Lacey. Multiple time national champion. Like, yeah. we don't play that way anymore, okay? Yeah, watch a Dove commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Get over it. Yeah, on the note of like a movie not necessarily holding up, I think it's funny, Emily, your initial reaction when I was like, I don't know if this movie like really worked for me. Like I didn't, I had, I struggled to get into it rewatching it. Cause like we've all been that person before that like wanted to show a nostalgic movie to a friend and you're kind of sitting there watching them and you're watching the movie and you're like, oh, they're not loving it. I'm not loving it. This doesn't hold up. What do we do now? <laughs> like, where do we go? This movie did. I mean, in the end, like, like I said, I had fun watching it. But like, there are a lot of cultural phenomena that I feel like I've missed in my life. Maybe just because I was an only child, and so I was raised by TV Land. Like, but um, people are constantly showing me things, and I'm like, oh, I know this is really meaningful to you, but like, no, <laughs> doesn't hit. Yeah. Okay. I want to ask you about this question. Since you both grew up in Utah, here in this valley. If you were to make a coming age film about your childhood, what would it be about? Or what would be key themes? I think that it would be in a, like a similar vein as like The Sandlot. If you al also watched, there's a 90s movie called Now and Then, um, which is like kind of like The Sandlot, but centered around girls. Young yeah, never saw it, sorry. And anyways, so it's just like the quintessential 90s suburban Oh, Christina experience. Ricci. Yes. Rosie and O'Donnell. So, Rosie Melanie Griffith. Griffith. Yes. So yeah, it would be quintessential 90s suburban kid. And it would just be like a girl who grew up like boy crazy, but also was like weirdly obsessed with 
female celebrities like Ginger Spice and Kristen Stewart. And she didn't really know why. And then she basically was like raised by Oprah Winfrey, the Oprah, <laughs> Oprah Winfrey show. And everything Oprah said was Bible to her. And that was just what defined her pop culture and TV and movies. And Oprah wow. would play your mom. <laughs> yeah. She would talk to me when I would be like, the, the kids didn't pick me for kickball. And then she would come out of the screen. Yeah. You know what's funny? <laughs> Just like Babe Ruth did in Sandlot. Yeah. This now and then movie that is giving Lady Sandlot energy yes. grossed actually more money at the box office than the Sandlot. Oh, really? And I've never heard of Nobody it. Nobody talks about them. And it was produced by Demi Moore. Like, this is oh, uh, iconic heavy 90s. Y'all, the patriarchy. <laughs> the patriarchy suppressed this film Once in our again. consciousness. Shaking my fist. <laughs> You know what I like about imagining your like coming of age film in Utah, Tarina, is that I feel like a lot of it takes place inside. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's funny is I'm such an inside person now, but back then I was such an outside kid. Mm. Like I would like run around outside barefoot, much to my mom's chagrin. I would <laughs> trace dirt inside and she'd be like, ah! <laughs> Dad, not on my floors. And oh my um, but I would I loved being outside like uh, like summers were amazing for me just because it's just nonstop outside until it's dinner time. Yeah, I feel like whenever people talk about like the past, like how kids used to be, that's always it. It's like we went home when the streetlights came on. It's so that's thrilling. Right. <laughs> you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to go to school. Sometimes you go to the pool. You're just hanging out with your friends all day. The golden age. I don't know. It kind of sounds like my life now. Right now. But anyway. <laughs> I need to get on your level. <laughs> Emily, what would your coming of age Utah story be from okay. Layton? I thought about this. Layton, just 40 minutes north of Salt Lake, little suburb. Home of um, the hook and reel. Home of the hook and reel. <laughs> I grew up Catholic in Layton, which is a very, very Mormon suburb. Um, so it was tricky because, like, in my neighborhood, there weren't a ton of kids who could play with me, like, on a Sunday, you know? Yeah. And as I grew up, we all kind of found each other, all of us non-Mormons. And so I think my coming-of-age story would take place, you know, from elementary school to high school. It would be about finding your people. It would be about making out in church parking lots. It would be about mm. how my town has changed. Like when the Burger Bar, a beloved Utah establishment, turned into a Starbucks. And uh, yeah, I think that's every non-Mormon Utah girl's story. You'd be first at the picket line. Yes. yes. Like, Turn it back to a Burger Bar. An anti-capitalist coming-of-age tale of spiritual reckoning. <laughs> spiritual and sexual reckoning. <laughs> yeah. Let's make it. Let's make that movie. Okay, you two. I guess the last question, for anyone who has stuck with this conversation but still not seen The Sandlot, <laughs> do we recommend that they actually watch it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah? I think okay. they have to watch it. And listen, we hardly gave any spoilers at all. You're probably still wondering, what is the plot of this film? What is this even about? <laughs> and so you Wendy? should just watch it. <laughs> Allie, would you watch this movie again or recommend people do? I mean, yeah, sure. I think this movie needs a drinking game. We need to adultify it. Yeah. It was perfectly darling, but... I don't know that I need like a victory lap watch, you know, I've now I've seen it. Fair. 
Um, okay, you guys, I really think we left it all on the field. <laughs> I think we knocked field. it out of the park. Newsletter <laughs> editor, Therina Ria, lead producer, Emily Means. Thanks for making me watch this movie. That's what friends are for. <laughs> you bet. Guys, I had a ball. I had a ball. If you want to watch The Sandlot at The Sandlot, you can do that this Saturday, August 5th. Eight of the original cast members will be there. The event starts at 4, but the movie won't show until around 9 p.m. I put a link to tickets in the show notes. And here is some exciting local movie news for you. The historic Tower Theater at 9th and 9th has been closed for more than two years, and it's led to a lot of speculation about the future of an iconic Salt Lake structure. But the Tower, which first opened its doors to Salt Lakers 95 years ago, has been purchased by the Salt Lake Film Society. They've been operating the theater for a while now, and as of recently, they own it, which means the tower will reopen, though not this year. The Film Society has shared plans for the tower's interior and exterior renovations. It's a very interesting look, very modern. And I dropped a link in the episode show notes where you can see the pics. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.